0: So, Zechariah chapter 4, Matthew chapter 25. We're just going to read two verses, not even the full verse of Zechariah 4, 10, is where we'll look at. And then one verse in Matthew. First in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, and it says this, for who has despised the day of small things? Who has despised the day of? small things. If you've never read that verse, you've never underlined, it's a good one to underline. Because God wants to do really big things with really small things. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, one of these days I might get to it this year. I'd like to preach a whole message just on Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, as a chapter, can be one of the most encouraging chapters in all of Scripture and one of the most heavily convicting chapters of all of Scripture. Jesus taught this uh, just before he went to the cross. But one verse I want to look at today, just in the, in the um, 46 verses that are in this chapter, we're just looking at one, and it's found in the 21st verse, Matthew 25, verse 21. And Jesus was giving this parable, the talents, and he says this. He said, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over eight million things. Doesn't say that, does it? You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things things. Enter into the joy of our Lord, of your Lord. Let's pray. Father, we ask now that your Holy Spirit, which was certainly in our midst in praise and in worship, will now be even magnified yet again in your word. Your word is high and lifted up. Lord, we thank you that in your presence is fullness of joy. We thank you, Lord, that your word is forever settled in heaven Lord, we don't want to despise the day of small things, yet we want to learn of you. And the small things, Lord, like the kingdom of God, will spring up into those big things that you desire to do in this world, in this church, and in our life. We pray, Lord, that we would be faithful in a few things and that, Lord, you would reward it by us seeing answer prayer, miracles, changes in us and those around us. We pray now, Lord, as we... Bell, we want to pray, Lord, for revival in our country. We pray, Lord, that you'd revive our nation, that it would start in the body of Christ. You'd pour out revival on this church, the churches in Richmond and Virginia and across the country and around the world. We pray, Lord, that uh, you would speak to our leaders, but you'd also speak, Lord, just to the neighbors that are beside us, our coworkers, family members that are still lost. We lift up our persecuted brothers and sisters this morning, Lord, that they would remain faithful to the end, that you deliver them out of dark and difficult places. We pray your spirit, Lord, uh, would be moving in every pulpit in America today and around the world. We ask these things in your name. Amen. I just combined our revival prayer, so just so you know. That was a package deal. He thought I forgot. I did forget. And the Lord reminded me in the middle of the prayer. Said, "And you know, this is the cool thing about God. He says you can you can do this right now. You don't have to you don't have to stop anything." That was a sincere addition. (laughs) But um, these passages, God wants to encourage us in these things. As I mentioned, um, you know, a lot of people will make resolutions, and they'll look back and and feel pretty defeated later on that most of them weren't kept. And what the Lord wants us to do is not to make resolutions per se, but surrender. Surrender to these things. God's already told us what they are. We don't have to make them up either. We don't have to, like, I wonder what I could come up with that I could keep. But just say, Lord says, no, these are the few things I've already told you. Just take the few things I've already told you. Be faithful in these few things. If you're faithful in these few things, think about this verse in Matthew 21. It says, you are faithful in a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. One way for us to look at this, there's a lot of ways we can look at this verse, but one way we can look at it is if we are faithful in a few things, in the few things, the primary priority things that God has given to the body of Christ, which are not different for everybody. They're the same for all of us, male, female, young person, teenager, college student, elderly person. It doesn't matter. Middle age, they're the same for everybody. We're faithful in those few things. We can look at it this way. We may not be ruler over many things, but we'll have victory in many areas. That's the way we can look at it. We will have victory in many areas. But it's interesting that Faithful in a few things results in victory over many things that seemingly have nothing to do with the original faithful things. Isn't that? Strange? That the areas that God calls us to be faithful in actually have an overflow effect to areas that I've, I learned this so much in my life, the longer I'm saved that the things God calls me to be faithful over here result in joy over here, which seems to be not connected to this faithful thing over here. But in the spiritual realm, it's all connected. It's all connected. And so God wants us to really just say, Lord, these are the few things you've given me. They're small and I want to follow them. And I just want to be surrendered to them. And we ask the Holy Spirit's help. And you can see the title uh, of our time of the Word today, Small Things, Big Difference. And God is telling us that if we focus on and we'll be faithful in a few things, the few things he says The few things he says are important, not that our flesh says important, not that the world tells us is important, not that everyone in our neighborhood says important, the things that God says are important, we'll see him move mountains in our life. We'll see him move mountains in this church. We'll see him move mountains in this community and in the lives all around us and, in fact, around the world. A small group of believers after the resurrection of Jesus, just a small little group of believers that said, Lord, what do you want us to do? He said, go wait and pray. I said, okay, Is there, can you give us more details than that? Go wait and pray. Any more details? Go wait and pray. All right. Do you want us to brainstorm? Do you want us to whiteboard? Do you want us to do anything else? No. Do you want us to write a book? Do you want us to write 10 books? Do you want us to build a Lifeway store and do all this stuff? I'm not, I'm not down on that. I, like, I told you before, I like Lifeway and all these things. But that's, God gave them a small little marching order just go, wait, and pray. The Holy Spirit would come down and explode upon them if they would do that small little thing. And they did, they did that, and Jesus touched them, and he touched the world through them, and he's still touching the world through us. And they were filled, yes, they were absolutely filled with the Holy Spirit, because you couldn't just do the little things Jesus said without the help of the Holy Spirit, but the activation of the Holy Spirit was that they followed the first small steps. Does that make sense? It's like a circle. It's hard to tell where the starting point is, but we know it's all connected. You have to do the little steps, but you need the Holy Spirit's help in those small steps. And saying yes to those simple commands given by Jesus and through the apostles has had a lasting impact. Wouldn't you agree? See, some things are done in life, they just poof, they're they're gone the pet rock. Remember that? (laughs) Beanie babies aren't here anymore. I'm using really poor examples, I know. But but today, people are still being saved because of this initial work of obeying this small command of Jesus. It's still true today that it only takes a spark to ignite a fire. You know, there used to be a song, I think when I was a kid, it only takes a spark to get a fire going or something, something to that effect. And um, this is what God desires to do in us. He is the one that will fan a small spark into a flame. And I didn't know the worship team was going to sing that song this morning, by the way. That God wants to fan a small spark into a flame, a little tiny match You've seen when entire forest fires rage in the, in the, in the mountains of the, the West, and, and a lot of times they say it's just a tiny little spark that started the whole thing. Now, that's bad when it comes to fires, but it's good when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit. God, Every time God is... Uh, when He's a consuming fire, He consumes the things that we don't need in our life. When sin is a consuming fire, it just ruins lives. There's two different things. The fire of God... This is another mess I love to do. With one day. The fire of God didn't consume the bush. It didn't consume Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Throughout the scriptures, it didn't, the fiery church didn't consume uh, Elijah the prophet. So the fire of God is a good thing, and he wants to take this little spark in our life, and he wants to fan it into this flame that we saw with the early church and that God wants to do yet again in us. Now, small is a theme in the Bible. How many of you noticed small a lot of times in the Bible? Maybe you didn't pay much attention to it when you think about it. Small is very often the theme in God's stories throughout the Bible. Now, you think about uh, the first small starts with Adam and Eve, tiny little family. Today, look, there's what is it, six billion people on planet Earth? Started with one little couple. And here we have today people from tribes and nations and tongues and Every continent of the world is occupied. Even there's a few crazy scientists in Antarctica. Why they live there, I have no idea. But anyway. And then we have, after that, Noah and his family. He only had three sons, but from that family becomes... the world is repopulated again with a small little family. They were the only people saved from absolute destruction. You think it's bad today. There's only one righteous family on the entire earth at that time. One we got way more than one righteous family, and just in Calvary Chapel of Richmond, praise the Lord for that. But that small little family, and really Noah's faith alone, basically, one one little heart of faith saved the world. Then Israel is a nation, small. Matter of fact, in the book of Jeremiah, it says, Jeremiah 49, 15, for indeed, I will make you small among the nations." Even, it also says despised among the nations. So not only is Israel small, but even to this day the nation is despised. If you watch the news, you'll know this is still the case. Small and despised. Gideon's army, God said it was too big, made it real small. Matter of fact, they didn't even end up doing anything. God wins the whole battle. And you have David against Goliath. You get all these mighty men of war, but this small teenage boy is the one that arrives on the scene and says, I I think, uh, what's your weaponry? Uh, These little small stones. Small guy, small weapons. In the New Testament, we see things. The birthplace of Jesus, Bethlehem, was small. One of the smallest of villages. In fact, you the least in the area of Judah, the Scriptures say. Small. Little tiny peasant family, small, would come the savior of the world. As a matter of fact, Jesus compared the coming of his kingdom to a tiny little mustard seed, paper, thin as a paper, as a slice of paper, that it would expand. And he would, it would do this again and again, like you know, the, the fish and loaves, boy only has a couple of fish and loaves, comes to Jesus, Jesus said, This is all I need. He didn't even need that much. The widow with her mites, smallest amount put into the offering, Jesus said she gave more than anybody else. So again and again, and we can look at this all through Scripture, God focuses that small things have a massive impact in the economy of God. What we want to look at this morning, is though, is what God wants to do through small changes or small steps in our life individually. But again, we're not just individuals. You and I are made up of trillions of cells, which are individual cells, but they act as a collective ecosystem of our body and in this church even though each of you have an individual walk with Jesus your individual walk your family's walk is all connected to the overall health of the body and the healthier we are the more God will say I can use you and expand your impact as he did with the early church not for our glory but that souls will be saved that lives will be changed and that people would become disciples of Jesus Christ. And when they become, then their kids can get saved, and then their cousins can get saved, and relatives can get saved, and so on and so forth. But we don't have to work this up. We simply have to follow the simple steps that the Lord has given us. Isn't that great to know? Like, it would be stressful to think, how are we going to reach the entire world? And God says, you don't have to. You follow my steps. The Holy Spirit through me, it'll happen. We want to take a look at these small steps this morning, and hopefully as you go through 2017, you've got 11 months left. This month is in the can now, within two days, three days, whatever it is. Uh, I think February 1st is Wednesday, right? So this month is almost in the books, but we have 11 months to all take small steps. I'm growing Lord, but I still have to take small steps. I don't care how long you've been saved, you still have to take small steps. Paul had been saved, and he said he hadn't yet arrived. If he hadn't arrived, we haven't arrived. He had done a lot. Moses was called into the ministry at the age of 80. He didn't know he had to take a lot of small steps for 40 years, right? 40 years through the desert, small step after small step after small step after small step. I... um, I stood. My favorite movie, although we know where to mute little parts of it, is still "What About Bob?" Remember "Baby Stepping"? (laughs) Bill Murray's like my favorite. You know, so uh, "Baby Stepping to the Door," "Baby Stepping Down." That, but there is some truth to this: that God says, if you don't take baby steps, you'll never see any progress. God wants us to take all this year these little baby steps forward, but they're not baby steps in their impact. They're only baby steps in the way we first think about it, but when we look back and we say, wow, these small steps are actually rather important. Well, one of the things that we uh, saw in Acts chapter 2 last week was that in the core, I, I outlined 15 things that we could observe in verses 40 through 47 that the early church would demonstrate as the power of the Holy Spirit working through the early church. But the core... Of those 15 were three, and I didn't have time to even drill down on that, but here was the core of the three. The Word of God, which was called the Apostles' Doctrine. We talked about this in our Friday Night Fellowship for those who went to one of the locations Friday night. The Word of God, fellowship, and prayer. Those three things. The Word of God, fellowship, and prayer. And that also said the breaking of bread, Which includes communion, but that takes place under fellowship, anyway. So you can kind of combine the two. You can break them out for you know deeper detail. But if you were to focus on three things that will transform any church, any family, anyone committed to Christ, the Word of God, fellowship, and prayer. That's what they said that that was what Luke opens up with when he says, "This is what they remain steadfastly in." Right. It doesn't say that they remain steadfastly in some other method of man. Word, fellowship, and prayer. Now, it, now today, we might say, "Well, Some ministries might today say, that seems too simple. There's got to be something better than that. But it won't work. It won't grow real roots. It won't really take and root a body of Christ and a body of believers, we won't see it last and stand the test of time. We won't see it expand and multiply with more disciples. This is the only way there is. God said, You can, you can read Acts 20 years from now, and it'll still be the same verses. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the small steps of obedience, the first thing, and some of these maybe everyone here has done, and some of these... Uh, well, I wouldn't say everyone, but I would say most of you have probably done these, but we want to look at them anyway because they're the foundational thing. When it's, we want to start with first small steps of obedience. We're going to look at four areas. The first one is small steps of obedience. The first one, and this goes back to Acts chapter 2. I don't have time to turn there this morning, but go back and read verses 40 through 47. The first one is they immediately after getting saved get, did what? They got baptized. If you haven't been baptized and you need to be baptized come to myself or Pastor Randy, we will schedule a baptism as quickly as we possibly can get one on the calendar, even if it's just one person. That's our commitment to you. If you've never been water baptized, you need to be, because Jesus said to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them. Now, you're not saved because of baptism, but it is the initial step in growing as a believer. It activates God's blessing on our life. Who doesn't need God's blessing on their life? We all do. And if, we, if we're out of the gate, we're resisting the very first thing Jesus said, we're in a holding pattern right out of the gate, right? So the first thing we have to do is to be water baptized. This is what the early church did. So we, as people come to Christ this year, we're going to believe people are going to come to Christ this year. How about that? Yeah. And that when, as people come to Christ this year, we want to tell them, hey, as soon as you can, we need to get you baptized. I think we've waited too long at times. I'm speaking to me. I'm, I'm part of the problem with that. Go back to the old ways and just say, Lord, what did, how did you do it before? Let's do it exactly the way they did it. Don't deviate a little bit. Do it exactly the way the apostle said it. Peter would say, well done. He was the first pastor of the church. He'd say, now you're getting, now you're kind of catching on here. Be baptized. Second thing Come to church and make it a priority. Coming to church in America has been declining for about 20 years. Everything has become more important than coming to church to many people. Not to all of you. I'm not, if this doesn't apply to you, then just point to the person beside you. Now they'll love that. Um, I'm only kidding. Don't point to anybody. But going to church is not a routine thing anymore. It's become even less and less in the body of Christ. And God doesn't want this to be some legalistic thing, but the scriptures are clear on this. The, the, early, test, the early church, they gathered a lot, a lot more than we do. Now, part of that, we have to understand, Jerusalem was a tight-knit. It'd be like living in a row houses in Brooklyn, Right? The brownstones are side by side and things like that. We don't live as much like that anymore. Some apartment complex, some condos, not like that. In this room, some of you live in Goochland County, some of you live in Amelia County, some of you live in Chester, some of you live in Powhatan, some of you live in the city, some of you live on the West End. It's all spread out. I get that. It's, It's the mobility of society today, which is different than any time in world history. Daniel, by the way, prophesied that this would be the case. People would run to and fro easily in the end days, which we do. Hey, I'm just going to zip over to Short Pump. They didn't do that back then, right? You know, that was like a long donkey ride. You know, so they didn't do that. Didn't zip over there. Gotta hit Trader Joe's. No, yeah. You know. They should really build a Trader Joe's on this side. But that's a total digression of the message. But making making church a priority. You have to make it a priority. This is just a surrender. This isn't a resolution. It's just a surrender to Christ. Say, Lord, this is what you designed. And a couple of focus areas. Not only do we absolutely have to sit under the Word of God. By the way, when I preach, I'm sitting under it too. I'm actually more accountable for everything I say than you are. Because God says, you said it, now are you going to do it? I said, I didn't say it. I only said what you said. But you got to say it more than once, so you're really accountable. (laughs) Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, and is really the manner of many today, but exhorting one another and even so much more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of the return of Christ. He's going to say, why did you stop gathering? Why did you take Acts chapter 2 out of your mind? They were gathering, and now they're not. I was reading something this week, a a blog that was written a few years ago by another pastor. A guy I, I, I respect. He is really godly. He's helped in a, a lot of blogs that he's written for pastors, but he said one thing that immediately the Spirit told me, do not accept that. Even though, I, I, again, good godly man. I think today in our modern society, we try and come up with things that we think are going to help, and the Bible says, no, no, no. That's, that's, that's your thinking. In other words, we, we see what God did before, but we say, well, he probably wants us to tweak this today. And here's what it was. In a list of things that said to re-energize the church in America, one of the ones that he said as far as making the church more effective and reaching people was to stop midweek programming. In other words, no more Wednesday night services. Stop midweek programming and just kind of get rid of as much stuff in the middle of the week as you possibly could allowing people to be more involved in whether it be Little League or, um, you know, civic clubs, so they can know and get to know unsaved people in the community, and therefore, when they're in the community, they can help better reach the community. Now, that actually, part of that equation is totally true. We have to be in the world, but not of the world. There's no way we're going to reach unsaved people if we never talk to unsaved people. But here was, the, here, was the, here was the tricky piece of that that I, the Holy Spirit just pricked my heart and said, do not receive this. Pastor Chuck in Calvary Chapel years ago set up two services, basically, Sunday and Wednesday night. They exploded. Why? Because the early church did the same thing. On one hand, as they gathered together more often, some people would say, well, that would make you very... Um, Inwardly focused, so therefore, you're probably not touching unsaved people. But yet, the reverse was true in the early church. They had people added to the church daily. How is this possible? Because when we become more like Jesus, we touch people at the normal place like Jesus at a well. You might think at Martin's, at Walmart. I mean, last night I was at, uh, we had to go by the mall, and I was in um, the Foot Locker. I still like to look at tennis shoes all these years later. I show my girls because these retro tennis shoes have come back. The same Nike tennis shoes I wore as a point guard in high school are now on sale again. <laughs> the 1985 Airs, they are on sale. They cost too much, and now they're not even really, they wouldn't feel great on your feet. They just look cool. And you got kids wearing the Adidas that run DMC was wearing and stuff, and they're like the number one selling shoe in the store there. I was talking to them. Now, me and the manager just hit it off. And we're talking. I didn't need to know him for Little League for the last 12 weeks. If the Holy Spirit's in us, we can connect and be a light right then. That's what God wants us to do. So the church has to gather and be set on fire. So when we go out, we're not needing to spend, well, I, I better put in oodles of time in every civic community. And by the way, when, when the church stops meeting together and we instead say, get out there, be in. The, after about three months, they'll have forgot the mission and they won't be reaching people anyway. It's only by keeping coming back into the huddle, back out in the field, back in the huddle, back out in the field, back in the huddle, back out in the field. Does that make sense? That's the way football teams do it. Why even have a halftime coach discussion? They already know this stuff. But the Super Bowl's next Sunday. There'll be a halftime and the two coaches will say everything these players have heard eight million times at halftime. Guys, we've got to play good defense. Coach, we already know that, right? Because it regathers people on the mission. If they're not coming together, the mission fades. So it's really, even though I understood what this gentleman was getting at, it's not what we see in Acts chapter 2. Keep coming together. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody can come. I understand you come as much as you're able to come. And God knows what that is. God knows what that is. We can play games with our schedule with God, but he knows, hey, you can do better. You can be more in touch with other believers. So make it a priority. Get into fellowship. Now this is related to getting into uh, getting in, making church priority. Get into fellowship. It's important um, that we do this, uh, I love this quote, I don't know who originally quoted but it says, if it's important, we'll find a way. If it's not, we'll find an excuse. If it's important, we'll find a way. If it's not, we'll find an excuse. Now, I don't have to wonder, is fellowship important? It's one of the three primary things that the early church was given to by Jesus and the apostles. So if you say, I've not found time for fellowship yet, I'm telling you, you will never see You'll never see the full uh, range of victory God wants to do in your life until you say, yes, Lord, I surrender to fellowship. You'll see some little, you, 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 you tiny little, you, but, you know, when I was down in Florida a few, uh, back in November, there was this one orange tree, I took a picture of it. It was loaded with oranges. I mean, just, it didn't look like there was a branch left that didn't have an orange. And they were bright, bright orange, and it was just beautiful. And I was like, that's the way God wants each tree of us to be, right? But if it wasn't getting soil, and it wasn't in the right light, and it wasn't getting any type of nutrients, one little tiny speck of orange isn't much. And so fellowship is very important. We may not feel that we need fellowship. It doesn't matter if we feel we need it. Uh, I had uh, blood work done uh, a couple times in the last year, and the second time, Doc says you're low on iodine. I said really, my brain never told me that. Well, he said the blood work doesn't lie. You're so I had to start taking these iodine pills with uh, two times a day because he's like you're low on iodine. We can be low on fellowship and not know it. And God says you need that vitamin in your life. You need that nutrient. In your life, we will say, I don't feel like I need it. It doesn't matter if we feel like we need it. The symptom will show in a way that you're not feeling. It'll show in some other way. It can be anxiety. It can be lack of peace and all these things. God says the simple thing is you start surrendering to fellowship, this will clear up over here. But they don't seem related, God. Prayer, fellowship, the Word of God. Prayer, fellowship, the Word of God. Prayer, fellowship, the Word of God. Right? You need sleep, you need to drink, and you need to eat, right? Simple things. And so these simple steps, uh, God says that these things will, will help us a tremendous amount. Uh, as far as fellowship, try and start with something small. Even, even six times this year would be better than zero. If someone that says, I, I didn't get into fellowship with anybody last year, I, I never try and tell people just go for the moon. Start with a small thing. Say, I'm going to make it to three, five, and eight fellowships this year. I want to make it to two men's Bible studies or two ladies' Bible studies or or something. Start with something and say, Lord, help me to start with something small and let it build from there. Just tiny little goals. Say, Lord, I'm going to start there. And God will bless it. He really will. He's not uh, not doing this because he needs you here. You need you here. I need me here uh, to, to grow. Uh, just being present. I, I mentioned, you know, one of the brothers just gonna be here with us that long, and just being present, such a blessing. You're more of a blessing than you think you are. The other th- mental shift, just a small mental shift. Stop coming to church for yourself. God will bless you anyway. Come for other people. Don't come for yourself. You you will get blessed anyway, and more blessed when you come for other people. Say, I'm just gonna come because someone else may need a hand on their shoulder to say, hey, I'm praying for you this week. Someone else may need you to smile at them.